Welcome back to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on this week with JB and Pistol. How are you, mate? I'm doing very well. Uh, the buyers were kind to uh, you and I. We both uh, managed to score quite well. Uh, do you want to let the community know how you went, JB? Well, you did slightly better than me, so it's fitting I go first. I scored 17.40, which was pretty good in the grand scheme of things. I jumped up 10K places and I'm into 14K. So I'm coming home with a wet sail. And I think it's, I suppose, a little lesson to all those who sort of have a lowly rank uh, in the lead up to the buy rounds, that as long as you stick to your plan and you keep going one up, one down and just be patient, Eventually, if you, you get the right buy around structure, like I've obviously got early on, but I, my, the rest of my buy around structure is pretty good as well, then you can soar through the ranks late on. So a 10K jump this week, uh, I've got good plans for the next couple, and you're much the same, Pistol, but on a smaller scale, considering you're wank, ranked considerably higher than I am. Well, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever jumped 10K in one week before, so that's a pretty good effort. But then again, I've never been ranked that poorly. So oh, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a lie, but continue. <laughs> um, no, this week I did score 17.88. So I did jump from outside the 2,000 mark into 654th. So straight into the top 1,000 and hopefully after this week uh, into the top 500 and just going to keep pushing um, throughout the rest of the buyers and just see how far I can go, JB. Obviously, uh, we copped some terrible injury, this crisis at the beginning of the year, and my starting team, by uh, my own admission, was quite poor. Um, and yeah, it's just been good trading for the last couple of weeks. Uh, and yeah, really happy with how it, it's uh, progressing. My last couple of um, trades have gone really well, especially um, Jack Crisp as well. Uh, coming in has been uh, fantastic for my side. So do you want to jump into the review of the first round of the game, JB? Yeah, I do. Uh, just out of curiosity, firstly, um, what do you reckon was the main reason that vaulted you into that high score? I think there was one <laughs> thing that people needed to nail this week, and, and we nailed it. But what, what would you say was the main reasoning? <laughs> I know what you want me to say. Um, you were very pleased with your captaincy call on the last podcast. So... Um, I'll give you about four seconds to gloat about it, so your time starts now. I told Pistol to Captain Josh Kelly, both of us did it, we both did well. <laughs> I mean, that, that you took the four seconds literally, um, but yes, we <laughs> we both did Captain Josh Kelly, and seeing our 146 uh, as your captaincy score is amazing, especially when Gorn um, didn't perform. So this week, JB, the pressure's on for you to nail the captaincy uh, two weeks in a row. So I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts about the captaincy at the end of the podcast. No pressure. Yeah, lock me in. I'm, I'm good for it now. So <laughs> we'll jump into the first game of the round, and it was Port Adelaide defeating Richmond. And on the Port Adelaide side, we've got a bit of a, uh, of a smoky point of difference in Chad Wingard playing a lot through the midfield in this one. 116 supercoach, and I believe he had somewhere close to 90% midfield time. Um, so he had the 31 disposals, didn't get on the scoreboard. Uh, so good to see him pump out a good score without having that scoreboard pressure as well. What are your thoughts on Chad? Because he's around the 300k or high 300k mark. He could be a smoky point of difference when everyone's jumping on the the Bokes, the Westoffs, and the Greys. Well, you're right. He's 375k and you've just got to think can he play in this midfield role, you know, going forward? If you believe he can, obviously he's going to be a good pick. If not, don't bother. But um, you're more of the port expert. So you tell me 
I mean, his scoring is purely role dependent. So tell me where you think he plays uh, for the rest of the season. Well, where I would hope he would play is in the midfield. He gives us a different dynamic than any other player does uh, in that role. That two, three step burst out of the, the congestion is just something that we don't really have on our list with that, that amount of speed and composure. And then the way he just whacks on the boot and gets it, you know, almost to the goal square from the, the center circles, uh, very, very unique as well. So if being a Port fan, I would hope that he would spend a lot more time in the midfield going forward, especially after that performance. But what tends to happen is if he, if he starts poorly in there, we are very quick to switch him out. So um, we know that he can be a very lethal forward. So if he's not doing it in the midfield, we're happy to put him down there to kick goals. And that's when the inconsistency and the, the lack of scoring can actually creep into his game. So I think it's a very risky pick, but if you're willing to back him in, then he could be a very good pick uh, for the price that he's at. And someone that we could even look to uh, being 370k, if you've got an abundance of trades, pushing to our F7 and just having for great buy coverage and maybe just trying to pick those weeks that he'll be uh, featuring heavily in the midfield. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, it's certainly a good idea, but there's plenty of other F7 options um, that maybe are a little bit cheaper. I know Jack Rewald is 327k. He'll only go to 330k after this week, so maybe you can pick him up after his buy um, and just loophole him as an F7. He definitely provides a lot of value. JB, people are still looking to get Port Adelaide forward this week. I think given the emergence of Wingard, um, I think maybe Bokers has fallen off people's radar, especially with Gray still scoring really well as a forward. Now, Westhoff's game was really interesting because he absolutely dominated early, but he just kicked it so poorly. He easily could have had you know, a 60-point first quarter, um, but he only went at 43% disposal efficiency. Do you think he is the, still the one to get over Gray, even though he's been so consistent lately? Yeah, and let's consider that the, the three goals he kicked is a bit of an anomaly, as is the uh, the percentage, obviously, that you said, the disposal efficiency that he went out. So um, if they sort of cancel each other out, um, you could you could assume he's going to score between that 90 range and, and the upper echelons of the, the hundreds, uh, 110 mark um, for pretty much what I'd expect to be the rest of the season considering Port Adelaide's draw. So the only times I expect him to score poorly is when we uh, properly get uh, dominated by a team. And not that Richmond dominated Port, but not, well, pretty much that second half, after that second quarter, uh, they were well on top of us for the rest of the game. So um, that's when his scoring dropped off. Against Hawthorne, you could see it as well. I think he was on about 40-odd points five minutes through the second quarter. And then when they really pegged back and, and just shut us down completely, he pretty much uh, struggled to put up any points from then on. So I think he had 30 for the rest of the game. So um, it is when we get dominated that he, he tends to fall back into his shell a little bit. But having said that, we've got an easy run, uh, easy as per judged uh, by champion data and such. So I would expect him to have a much higher ceiling uh, going into the next month and or two months of football. So I'd expect him to be the highest averaging from this point onwards, followed by Robbie Gray, and then uh, you've got your Bokes and your, your wing guards and that, that'll probably all be in a bit of a cluster, so you can pick your best out of those bunch if you're going for them. But yeah, I'd assume Westhoff will be in the up echelon. Is Ollie Wines also somebody that you should look at given he's uh, already gone through his buy, or are you content with picking the, the Crips and Kernos and Gaffs over him? Yeah, very content picking the, the Crips and, and Kernos. I don't strongly consider 
Gaff as an option. But yeah, those are the types of players that I'd be jumping over, uh, jumping on over Ollie Wines. And uh, he's got a three-round average of 104, but he, he's shown that he can score very, very low as much as he can score very high. So he's had a bunch of scores below 100, but a bunch of scores above, or oh, a couple of scores above 140 now. So he's obviously got the ceiling, but look, I don't I can trust him for a ton every second week. So not someone that I'd be looking to bring into my side. And uh, Tom Jonas has been ruled out as of today as well, if anyone missed the news. So if you have him, uh, that's quite unfortunate. On the Richmond side, though, um, they were obviously missing Dusty, and the early word is that he'll be playing next week, and I think they'll need that um, you know confidence boost by having him uh, back in the midfield. JB, if you're one of those uh, owners with Toby Nankervis, uh, what do you do? What's, what's, the go- what's the main plan with him now? Um... I'd pretty much be trying to save up a bit of money. And if I had the trades there, we'd be jumping on almost any of the top three Ruckman out of their buy this week. So I think the three Ruckman are Gorn, um, obviously Grundy and Stefan Martin. So um, any one of those three that you can afford, preferably obviously Grundy, if you, well, I assume everyone has Gorn, but um, I think Stefan Martin's also a good third option. So um, Nankovic just doesn't like, look like he's going to get the job done. He's got a lot of inconsistencies in his game, and when Richmond lose, which will probably be few and far between for the rest of the season, let's be honest. Um, but when they do, he's not looking to score very highly himself. So he's someone that I'd be trying to upgrade. Now, I know a lot of people are also targeting uh, Nick Nat. Um, I don't hate it as a pick, especially because of the, the I guess, the value and potential that he has. Um, the only issue I have with him is... He's still got a tough draw to come. Um, not that it will affect him as much as other players, given he's a ruckman. Um, they do also play less games at home. There's just a couple of things that I'm a bit iffy about. He's still got a five-round average of 103. His last games have been quite good, but he's gone up against the teams with poor ruckman. Um, I mean, next week he's got Calum Sinclair, so he should absolutely you know, tear him apart. But I don't think he can close whoa, the whoa, gap. Whoa, Did you just call Callum Sinclair a bad ruckman? No, in terms of Supercoach scoring, he doesn't limit his opponent's output. Um, okay, so <laughs> um, I can't really see him closing that gap too much on Grundy. It's just with, with Collingwood's draw, as well as all those games at the G, Grundy, I mean, he played Gorn. That's the hardest ruck you can possibly play against. And he still managed to score well. I just really can't see him averaging you know, less than 120, 125 from here on out. And that, In which case, Nick Nat's not going to get there. Maybe at best he's going to stretch to 110, but even so, you're going to be losing more than 100 to 150 points throughout the rest of the season just by not having Grundy and picking Nick Nat instead. So, um, yeah, pay the 117k difference, in my opinion, just because that's the easiest way to gain 100 points. Um, maybe you can... If you have the trades and you have extra cash, maybe getting an F7 might gain you points throughout the year, being able to, you know, loophole someone in. But, um, you know, you've got 150 points hereabouts there, as well as a captaincy option, which people forget about um, because you might want to take Grundy as a captaincy option um, at games and times throughout the season. So you've got to add those points onto the tally where you wouldn't usually captain Nick Nat. Um, so for me, personally, it's, uh, yeah, Grundy all the way in that case. <laughs> Definitely. And he's scoring the season has definitely spoken for itself. He's been on a complete other level, and that's even with his uh, second ruck, in quotation marks, dominating uh, in his own right as well with Mason Cox. 
Uh, I will ask you about Anthony Miles. So the man that you touted last week to be uh, the best midfielder from this week onwards uh, said that he was a captaincy <laughs> option, probably someone that would want to trade McRae to at one point, I believe, uh, to direct you, uh, indirectly quote you there. But um, he did put up 90 points, which is decent for his price. Is he still someone that you consider to put on your, your bench as an M9, especially when he's uh, battling with the, the likes of uh, Tom Rockliffe at that price range? Well... <laughs> Thank you for the introduction, firstly. Entirely not fabricated. Uh, Anthony Miles at 310k. He did say if you're going to jump on him, just do it from last week because he's such a good scorer um, that when he plays, he's going to score 90s um, or higher. So he did put out a 90. I expect him to score 90 if he gets a game next week. And every game after, he'll probably get 90. It's just a job security is probably not there. So um, it's a bit risky going on him early. So if you haven't already done so. I mean, maybe look to see if he gets his third name after the buy, but yeah, long-term, unless something happens, the job security is always going to be really iffy, um, even though the scoring potential is there. So uh, a bit of a questionable pick uh, in my eyes, but certainly if it's an outside-the-box pick, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely an outside-the-box pick, which we do love saying on the podcast. So um, Josh Caddy is another one in this game who scored 47. Um kicked the two behinds, was held goalless for the first time in quite a while, just not an option due to potential inconsistencies in your opinion? Or Yeah, it's it's a bit tough. I mean, he's had a terrific season, but yeah, from this point forwards, I just see that there's at least eight forwards who I'd rather get uh, than Josh Caddy, and in which case he's kind of fallen by the wayside and I'd, I'd probably prefer to get the other ones. I mean, um, we're talking, you know, the, the Heaney's and McLean's. It's, it's pretty obvious of some of the port forwards. Um, yeah, there's no point really going through them. I think most people have a decent grasp on who the, the top eight or so uh, forwards will be. Shall we jump into the next game, JB? Yes, we will. And that is Geelong defeating North Melbourne in this one. And it was the Gary Ablett show and Pistol. I hate to say this as much as I love to say it, but Gary Ablett is tempting me. He oh, had no. 34 disposals, 8 tackles, a goal. 16 of those disposals were contested. He's quite clearly not the uh, the injured and wounded pigeon that we all thought he was a couple of weeks ago. 151 supercoach points. Is Gary back? I mean, he's back until he's not back, until he tears his one part of his body off and then the other part of the body comes off. It's just a... Yeah, it's one of those things that you know he's going to score well, but you just know he's not going to last for the rest of the season as well. So, um, Do it's we just, know that, though? Yeah, we, how many times can you fall for the same trap? How many times can I get my <laughs> hopes up? He's 513k and easily the best player in my generation. Surely that's a bargain. You just jump on it. I mean... He's he's gonna he's gonna play at least a couple more games, right? <laughs> <laughs> a couple until he doesn't play anymore. It's the same how I feel when I watch Daniel Wells run out for the pies, and I get really excited that he's out there. And then you know, halfway through the game, when you see him on the bench, you're like, he hasn't played in the quarter. I wonder if he's okay. And you just know he's not okay. Um, so it's one of those things where you you just can't do it to yourself unless you've got a wealth of trades for some reason, and and are just happy to throw them away um then yeah he's good in the short term um that's for sure um jb there is somebody though who is on the north melbourne team you may have a little bit of a man crush on jamie talk (laughs) talk me through why sean higgins can be a top pick from here on out okay well i'd like to start by saying higgins is usually 
very susceptible to the tag, but he's actually not been that bad this season. He's been looked at a couple of times by a tagging or negating opposition midfielder. Against Fremantle was probably the, the biggest test that he had, where Banfield was tagging a lot of people in that run, and he did go to Sean Higgins, but Sean Higgins was still able to put up a... Once I scroll down on my screen here a little bit, was still able to put up a 92 in that match. So his teammates are definitely looking out for him in these tagging uh, instances, and you could even see that game, a lot of people were going and helping him out. He's obviously got Ben Jacobs on his team, so he's, he doesn't have to worry about that tag. <laughs> um, but he just, he, he keeps racking up the disposals. And I think I read something earlier how he's had 10 30-plus disposal games in his career, four of them being this year. And he, he's just, he hits the scoreboard as well. He looks like a very, very good player. North Melbourne's run is very good, as we spoke about last week with Ben Brown. And as a point of difference, he's on his bye week right now and he's not priced that highly at 500k. You'd be crazy not to have him on your radar considering the amount of 120 plus scores he's put out this season. So um, if he can fix that consistency, he's only had a few bad scores this year, one of them being the, the game that he got knocked out in against Hawthorne. He could be a very sneaky point of difference uh, to bring you home and always, always a good vice captaincy option considering he either goes 120 plus or or around the, the ton mark on the dot. So, you know, he, he's very, very good at going those, at those big scores. Now, what do you think, from an unbiased opinion, because obviously I like to put a bit of sauce on anything Sean Higgins, but <laughs> um, what, do you, what is your thoughts? Look, it's funny because it's always been a joke that he's your man crush and he's the great, greatest player and stuff, but he's actually really a good option <laughs> this Wait, year. joke? A joke? <laughs> When were we joking about any of this? I've missed all these jokes. I'm pretty sure when I say he's the greatest of all time, I don't not mean that he's the greatest. Like, well, uh, okay, just keep talking. <laughs> Look, he's had five scores above 120, um, which is ridiculous because he, he's missed one game and, you know, that's almost 50% of his matches above 120. Um, not only that, he's only had one score below the ton at Etihad Stadium. And JB, just for some, uh, I don't know, Extra, extra loving for you. He's got his <laughs> next four matches at Etihad Stadium, and he actually only travels. Well, he's got six games for the rest of the year at Etihad, and he only travels outside of Melbourne just three times for the rest of the season. So, um, we also mentioned he's got a good draw. He's got well, he's playing. He's playing where he wants to play. He's playing against the teams that you want him to play against. He's already averaging 103, but. He's got a three-round average of 114, a five-round of 105, and he's definitely someone that's on the rise, and it's only 500K. He's in 1% of teams. Um, he just looks like someone that is capable of going, you know, close to... I don't want to say it, JB. I don't want to say the 110 mark, but he's someone that's at least capable of going around there, and it's, it's kind of come out of nowhere, but at the same time, you can't really say it's come out of nowhere when you talk about him like he's got on every single podcast, so... Um, it's finally happening. He's a completely legitimate option and someone you should look at getting off your bye, JB. Pistol. I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> he will go 110 from this point on. I mean... I, I'm already... locking it in. <laughs> All right, I'm are guaranteeing you... it. For the, uh, for the Cancer Council, are you guaranteeing it? <laughs> I've already pledged for the Cancer Council. <laughs> You're not I paying go, anything for, for those this who don't good. know, I, I do pay. <laughs> I do pay $10 every time he does sub which has been, I think, five times this year. So I'm up to $50. But 
Um, no, I won't pledge it, but he will go 110. You can you can take my word on that. And I do want to shout out a person who messaged the page uh, during the week. Um, I'll, I'll say his first name because I don't know if he wants to be fully revealed, but Joshua is his first name. Um, and I sort of said in a, in a little offhand sort of comment, just a bit of tongue-in-cheek. I even had the, the tongue-poking-out emoji to maybe consider Shawnee Higgins. His response was, how he's been going around, you're going all right, your boy. And then it looks like he's pondered it for a few hours and then said, I might actually do it. I'll send photo evidence after lockout if I don't chicken out. Ranked 1300, this could be a shark move to move up the rankings. He then went on to VC Sean Higgins, who put out the 123. <laughs> That's massive. So um, I did get a bit scared. I said, um, as much as I love it and think it has a huge upside, please don't hate me if it doesn't work out. And that at least Jacobs won't tag him. But um, great job for him uh, making the shark move. And it did pay off. And Pistol, this could be a lesson to the rest of the competition. Those who don't have Sean Higgins missed out on a good vice captaincy score. <laughs> I mean, it was better than gone this week. I mean, most things were, but... Exactly um, right. The, this, the other players that I do want to mention, obviously North Melbourne coming off... Um, I mean, they've got the bye this week, so to look out for in the future. Jed Anderson has a six in his rolling average and obviously has the same fixtures as Sean Higgins. Um, he should fall to somewhere around 380, 390, and I just think that he's a really worthwhile um, F7 uh, pickup. He's, he, before his injury... Um, he was scoring really well. Um, the games right before, he had 91, 113, 111, 87, 96. Um, so he's someone that's potentially could average 95 plus, And if he's going to be, going to be 380K, I think um, you know he's, he's also in... He's in almost half as many teams as Sean Higgins. He's that much of a POD as well. Um, so he's somebody that you could look out for at a cheap price if you prefer to grab him over someone like a, a Jack Rewalt um, if you do have the trades. And... Of course, I mentioned it last week. If you want to grab Ben Brown coming off of the bye, I still think he's a really good F7. I know he scored terribly this week, so that was um, bad timing, if you'd say. Um, I, I just think he can go 95 plus, and with the massive variance as an F7, um, you just loophole in his you know 120 plus games, which he will get when he kicks you know six goals. So, um, just some players to look out for on the other side of the bye, JB. Yeah, yeah, definitely some good shouts there, and some interesting points of different. Difference now. I was messaged during the week about uh, someone called Joel Selwood, who um, is a former favourite of almost everyone that's played Supercoach, but he's going to drop quite a lot of cash, and I'm interested to know your opinion because he's averaging 106, so a couple more points over Shawnee Higgins. Obviously, he has that bad buy, but um, his break-even is 92 at the moment. But considering he only scored 80 on the weekend uh, following his 133, there's a chance it's going to drop a little bit more. Is he someone that actually is floating under the radar with such a high um, average for someone who's gone sub-ton? The ceiling's obviously there. He's put up 140, 133, 135 at uh, different times this season. Is he someone that we could consider as a sneaky point of difference as well, or is he someone that is probably just a little bit past his time? He's not past his time. He's still an option. It's just he's got the buy next week, so it's a bit hard to consider someone um, that has yet to have their buy. And even though he's 510k, look, he's got a five-round average of 95. I don't know if that says everything, but it says a lot. Um, he has that five-round average um, doesn't include um, 
copying like a Hewitt tag or something because he, he didn't cop that um, against the Swans. But he did play, I guess you'd say, the easier opponents were Collingwood, who leak big midfield numbers, Essendon, who aren't particularly strong, Carlton and Gold Coast. Uh, they're all within the last five weeks, and he just did not score very well at all. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit too... I mean, it sounds silly, but it's too risky. Um, f- you know, paying almost top dollar for somebody that just might not get it done. I think I'd rather pick somebody that has a bit... Um, I guess, he's, as I said before, almost half of Sean Higgins' games are going above 120. I'd, I'd rather take a punt on someone like that. Um, so it's a pass from me, but there's definitely merit in picking someone like Joel Sell. We've seen what he's capable of doing, um, good and bad. He goes on hot runs of scoring like 130-plus five weeks in a row, and then cold cold games where he scores you know three games in the 70s, and he does it every single season. So... Um, yeah, it's just about getting the timing right with Selwood. But for me, I, it's not something that I would be considering. Yeah, I tend to agree as well. And um, for those that were considering, I just think there are better options and that we're living a little bit in the past when considering those types of guys. And although he has the ceiling, which is quite obvious, he also has the, the low floor, which a lot of younger players don't have at the moment. So we'll move on to the next game anyway. And it was GWS beating Gold Coast. Uh, some big scores in this one. As we discussed earlier, Josh Kelly went massive. Um, he's on his bye this week, but if we just want to quickly discuss him now, he's actually bottomed out, which is um, a pretty high bottom out, to be honest. But he's someone that should be right coming off of his bye. Yeah, look, I seem more enthusiastic about him, given I had him and held him for all that time. But it wasn't a great injury. I mean, obviously, he missed six weeks. The buy is going to do him a world of good. There's, I hate getting in players that have had these long layoffs with you know muscular based. If it, if it's like you break your leg, well, I mean you come back. You're, you're hardly, I mean, you've got a low percent chance of breaking your leg again. But if you pull a muscle or hurt hurt your groin, I mean these things can linger and they can get you know reinflamed and there's a whole sorts of issues. I mean, I think if you you're picking somebody at the same price. I, I think I'd just feel more comfortable picking someone like a Clayton Oliver over a Josh Kelly, but um, he's definitely a good POD option as well. And he's, he's definitely the scoring potentials there. He could absolutely kill it for the rest of the season. That's just make sure you have a trade, at least banks in case something goes sour. Um, unfortunately for me, I don't even have a trade banks and I'm stuck with him as well. So um, that's a recipe for disaster. But uh, JB, there actually isn't that much to talk about in this game. I know it was, um, quite high scoring super coach wise for the for the GWS side but um, actual super coach options um, there isn't too much going on here on really either side I think um, the next best player to, to try and discuss actually falls on the Gold Coast side um, and that is uh, bubble boy Will Brody who managed to put out a 63 uh, this week how do you see him as an option going forwards the thing I like about Brody is that he scored 27 in the opening quarter when they were uh, in a more competitive state. Obviously, the game blew out in the end, and it was hard for any Gold Coast player to put scores on the board unless they were properly dominating like Harborough who somehow kicked the goal. Um, but I did enjoy uh, his, his tackling and his pressure. He gets a lot of contested disposals. He's a big body in that midfield. I think he'll have some games this year where he'll just piece it together and uh, has scored decently, but the concern amongst the community seems to be his job security. Um, It's a little confusing to me, but although, I mean, I do see players like Jared Lyons uh, sitting still on the pine, unable to get a game, and you think, well, Will Brody's in, Jared Lyons is out, Will Brody took so long to get into that side, maybe he'd be first out, but you'd think it wouldn't matter from now on uh, who was last in the side, and they'd just drop players based on 
uh, just raw form. And there are players performing well below uh, what Brody's doing at the moment. And I'd actually, I'd back him into definitely, or at the very least, play for the last couple of buys. But he could be a genuine option if Gold Coast become any any type of competitive uh, at any point of the rest of the season. So um, I think they've got a favourable matchup this week. And I can see him scoring well in that. So it's just unfortunate that he's on Gold Coast and there won't be many favourable matchups. But um, I don't mind the pick, honestly. I think even though he's had an elevated price and hasn't shown a lot of scoring potential so far, he's definitely a safe pick to get you through the buys at the very least to get that warm body on the field. Yeah, I don't think he's someone that's going to score, you know, 30. I mean, next minute he scores 30, but I don't think he's going to score too badly that it's not going to count in the 18. I still think he'll be a safe 60. But if you just look at the Gold Coast list, you've got um, Hall out for 9 to 11 uh, weeks, Fiorini out for 4 to 6, Barlow's out for 2 to 3, Hanley is 4 to 6 weeks, uh, Lonigan's out for 2 weeks, Darcy McPherson out for 6 to 8 weeks, Rose is out for 2 to 3 weeks, Wiggs out for the season. Um, my question is, like, who is coming in? Besides Alliance, who's probably not going to be coming in at the expense of Brody, given there were so many poor performers on the Gold Coast Sun side, and Brody was actually one of their better players for the day. I mean, who is coming in to, to replace him? Are you going to just take out, you know, your up and coming future youth that you want to pump games into to see what they've got um, for somebody else that's also up and coming to see what you got? No, you're going to get rid of the players that are more senior, maybe like a Nick Holman who's just have been, you know, relatively poor or not doing their job. Nick Holman, uh, seven possessions and, and nine tackles. And, um, yeah, the coach seemed pretty upset at him as well. So maybe his tackling pressure will, will keep him in the side. But, um, yeah, I think uh, the Will Brody job security uh, or lack thereof is kind of um, being a bit misconstrued. I think if you look into it a bit more, you'll find that he's probably going to be safe at least for a couple of weeks and if not, um, at least for longer term as well. If he is worth that price tag is another story, but at the same time, if you need somebody that's playing this week and you need somebody playing next week, and maybe it saves you a trade because people are, are trading in Jiro uh, at 102k for Fremantle, but he's not playing next week. And if you're going to cop a donut you know, because of that, you've got to weigh up that extra 80k and whether it's worthwhile um, getting a tiny bit of a better score as well. So um, lots to consider there, JB. But um, how about we move into the next game, um, which was at least more Supercoach relevant in the Saints versus the Swans? Yeah, a little bit more Supercoach relevant, not quite as uh, competitive as the last game are, <laughs> which is actually hard to say. But um, Jimmy Webster for St. Kilda in defense, 110 Supercoach points. He called this quite a while ago, probably a month ago now, and he's put out good score after good score uh, besides last week in which his role changed a little bit due to the injuries they had in their defense. But it's looking all good now, and he is their prime mover out of the halfback line and someone that everyone should be looking to to complete their midfield. So I was tossing up between Hurley and Webster uh, before this week, but not that I really needed Webster to convince me any further about his abilities, but just watching him score so well in a game in which they really weren't in for the entirety of the contest uh, just gives me a lot of confidence about his uh, potential as a top six uh, defender for the rest of the season, which I think is easily within his graphs. Um, you obviously only have good things to say. Do you have anything to add? Uh, no, I think you said everything pretty perfectly. I mean, I'm not sure how you're fitting Webster into your midfield, but he definitely looks like being a, a top uh, six defender there, JB. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we've also got Logan Austin putting out a 73. Someone who's going to make a lot more money as with 
Rice and even Phillips putting out the 61 is a good little boost for him as well. Uh, we'll move on to the Sydney side, and that's where all the relevance really is. Isaac Heaney, 134 super coach. Uh, if you don't have him now, obviously wait till after his buy, but he is looking very good throughout the rest of the season. And then the one that I want to talk to you about, Pistol, is Buddy Franklin. So 120 super coach uh, points, 18 kicks, had the zero handballs in typical Buddy fashion. But the four goals four could have gone massive in this one. What are your thoughts on getting in Buddy? Because his injury is still shrouded in mystery. And the type of injury that when you read it, read about it, you expect that he'd miss further time in the season. But at the same time, it's Buddy Franklin and he, he seems immortal uh, if he's when he's actually on the ground. Doesn't seem to be limited at all and will score well when he's playing. Well, he's got West Coast, Richmond and then Geelong in his next three. So I think it's fair to say that you you probably are all right to just wait a bit and see how that injury lingers. Obviously, he's a perfect F7 if you have that much money just because his score is massive or poor um, given the amount of goals he kicks. But look, it's hard. I don't think I would get him in just because of that injury. And, you know, I think there's other players that are probably uh, safer um, to score closer to 100, but he's just going to be up and down and it's heavily dependent on how Swans are going. But um, he... He's just a lot of fun to have in your team. As, as you know, I love a, a cheeky um, buddy vice-captaincy as well. So um, he definitely adds a lot of entertainment value for myself, even at the effect of uh, possibly not being the best pick. But um, yeah, he, he's definitely a lot of fun. He I, I, Each to their own. There's not much you can say. We don't know enough about the injury. They did say he'll be managed for the rest of the season, but at the same time, he played 87% time on ground. So that doesn't really seem too managed. Um compared to his other, you know, he's usually around that 90 mark, so maybe he's playing a little bit less, but that also means there's possible room for improvement, JB. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a tough one with Buddy. I think I've talked myself into a circle there, but um, it's basically just <laughs> yeah, on the I don't onus. know where you've ended up there, but... Onus on the person. Yeah. If, you, if you'd like to take the, the punt, you, you know what you're going to get. He's been like this for like six years. You you know exactly what you're going to get with, uh, with, with Buddy there. Uh, JB, I do want to just... Um, flick back to the Saints side for a second with the yes. um, Rice Austin you know backline Webster situation we've got Nathan Brown fit uh, for this week coming up even though he did go off with a concussion we have Carlisle coming back into the side we have um, Gilbert cleared as well I think he'll probably come back through the, the VFL but um, this will be first test to see what happens with uh, Austin as well um, given we've got the two keys available come back and then obviously Geary's only two weeks away so yeah keep an eye on the team use um, I'm expecting Austin to, to play I don't see it as a problem but I know a lot of people are really concerned so um, that's just something we want to keep an eye out on and also Josh Battle played his first game and he was really good JB 77 points he kicked two goals one he looked like at times the only player that was actually trying for Saints so uh, only positive um, things to say about Battle in his in his uh, second game yeah, and on Logan Austin, he took a team high uh, nine marks combined with actually uh, Bailey Rice. So um, they're obviously performing back there. Both had over 20 disposals as well out of that back line. So I would be very surprised if either got dropped, considering St. Kilda obviously uh, have nothing to lose by going for the youth policy at the moment, considering their uh, position on the ladder. So um, I'd be surprised if either of them got dropped, to be honest, unless their form really. 
uh, really did dip in the, the coming week. So um, hopefully we're all clear there. But yeah, team news will, will show everything. So um, just quickly back onto the Sydney side, Jake Lloyd, 106 super coach, uh, has been really, really consistent for those who got him in and uh, someone... I want to really target if you also haven't finished your uh, defense, but hopefully, yeah, he drops a little bit for those as well. So um, Ben Rock, the other one of any sort of uh, significance in this match, and he scored the 52. So looking really ripe for a trade-out option at his buy. So um, perfect timing for Rock, pretty much. He won't lose too much money this week um, and is fine to hold, I think. Yep, no, definitely. Let's jump into the uh, Brisbane Lions versus Essendon game. Um, it was a much better game than I think people uh, thought um, going into it, but <laughs> it was really just the Harris Andrews show there. Um, he racked up, it was close to 20 spoils, JB. I can't remember if he got there or not, but it was around that, and he, he was awesome. I mean, he's been scoring so well this year. I've got a question for you, though. Hurley scored 93, Harris Andrews 152. Don't get sucked in by recency bias, but... Who do you think going forward for the rest of the year is going to be a better pick given there's not much price difference as well between the two of them? Andrews. All right, well, you didn't take much uh, time to think about that one. Do you want to explain maybe your reasoning behind that? I mean, Hurley's been building since his injury, but Essendon even showed they are desperate to get into the finals and they've thrown him up forward at points and they've, they've really played with his role. He was a lockdown defender in this game and although that obviously didn't hurt his scoring too much, only the 17 disposals, which is just a bit different for him. Um, he usually gets around the, the 25 to 30 mark, which is why he scores so well. But um, I can't really count on him scoring so well in a lockdown role, and I definitely can't count on him scoring well in a forward role. And the commentators even mentioned maybe throwing him up forward during this game, uh, considering their kicking for goals so bad. So I, I'm just a little bit confused about Hurley and his potential role going forward, whereas... Andrews is just set in his defensive place, and he's scoring amazingly in that defensive spot. They look at him uh, to distribute out of the back line. They look at him to to be their main spoiling target, and he's great above his head as well. 12 marks in this game. Obviously, he had the the 400 billion spoils as well. So um, he's just locked in, and one of their future leaders carries himself really well, and it's actually fun to watch for a defender. Um and a very weird-looking bloke as well, so I think it's interesting <laughs> watching him. <laughs> it's definitely interesting knowing that like the ball's coming in and you just know he's going to come over the top and punch it, and you get points for that. It's, Every it's time, yeah. It's a little exciting. Um, JB, Dane Zorko as well has... if you, Look, if you purchased him at like the 400k mark, you've done extremely well because when it looked like he could go no further, uh, well, no, no poorer, he just turned around. He's pretty much averaged 110-plus... Um, in the last six weeks. Is he somebody that we should uh, consider getting on the run home after their buy? Personally, not for me. So, Essendon obviously don't tag, and he's he's had a couple of tags recently and got through them, but I don't know if he's really had one of those, if we don't tag Zorka out of the game, Brisbane might beat us on the tags. So, there is obviously a difference between a run with and a hard tag, I'm not quite sure he's received that hard tag, and that was what he was getting every single week in the early early parts of the season. So I'm still very worried that he can pump out a, a 60 or a 70 uh, with such a hard tag. And if they're not as competitive as they were this week, then maybe he just doesn't kick the two goals and, and doesn't score as well. So um, there are definitely some variables with Dan Zorko that are, are concerning me with the, the pick of his. And then how would you then rate... Um, his teammate Dane Beams, he was obviously in fine form before 
uh, just, I guess, more of a random uh, 37 score this week. How do you see him moving forward? Yeah, definitely a random score. Uh, I can't say I was expecting it at all. His disposal efficiency didn't help, but it also didn't help that he got barely any of the pill. So um, it was just confusing. He, he, he's generally a bull magnet. He he comes onto the, the pitch and has about eight balls just fly from the crowd and stick to him. So um, that's the sort of player that he is, and he just finds the, the ball pretty much wherever he is on the, on the field. But didn't have that this game. Actually, he could was sighted numerous times on the opposite wing to where the obvious switch was. So I'm not quite sure what was wrong with him this game. I think it'll be an anomaly. But as we said a couple of weeks ago, we just don't know how his personal issues might affect him on the football field. And there's every chance that he just, you know, between between the years, which is your biggest opponent on the actual on the football field, um, might not be working for him. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh... Yeah, it's a, a tough, tough one to judge in that situation. Um, JB, on the, the Essen side, there was um, a first gamer for the year, Mason Redmond, 90 Supercoach points, uh, only 113k, so he's someone that you definitely need to watch out for. Um, also, is there any concerns with Devin Smith? Uh, he was seen with ice on his, uh, I think, calf at the end of the match. Uh, quickly with Redmond, by his own admission, was not ready for AFL and was not AFL standard when he was debuted a couple of weeks ago, a uh, couple of weeks, a couple of years ago, in the uh, Essendon. I think that, that was the during the drug saga year that he debuted. Um, obviously, by default, pretty much made a debut that year, but was not ready and said that he has worked so hard in the VFL to to get as close to the AFL standard as possible and showed it when he came back and and had the twenty one disposals, so uh, twenty four disposals even. Um, but not to get sucked in, as Ridley did start the exact same as that. So um, hopefully Redmond uh, shows a bit better form. But uh, onto your Devin Smith call. It's interesting because after the game, Devin got an interview and pretty much said it, it was a bit of a contact injury or, or cramp, I think. It was definitely one of the two. I don't think he really knew himself, but um, had a bit of ice on it. But I, I assume that's just because it was in the last two minutes of the game that it occurred and Obviously, the game being over, he was pacing up and down the boundary a couple of seconds before that, before applying the ice. So so I would assume it's just a, a minor, very minor injury, something that will get, you know, sort of self-healed throughout the week off and he'll come back fine after the bye. That, that's what I made of it, but there seems to be some other strange rumors floating around. Yeah, there's quite a few rumors going around that it's like a longer-term injury, but the thing is, Essen updated their injury list today and they had an injury report, and nothing was said about Dev Smith at all. So uh, I'm going to take that as really positive news. I guess we'll only know um, next week, but uh, I think it's you can take away a, a lot more positive news than negative. Um, if you're, you're just comparing rumors compared to them updating the injury list uh, without him on it, I think that's a, a safer thing. Um, JB, should we jump now into the uh, Dockers versus Crows game? Sure, Pistol, because you asked so nicely. So... Um, we will move on to that one, and it was Dockers beating the Crows in this one in a very, very big upset. Um, and I think the man that we have to talk about is Luke Ryan. So 106 Supercoach points in our defense. Um, someone that we spoke about a, about a month ago as the player to watch or to trade in in that defense. And he hasn't let us down. So they do play quite a lot more at the uh, Perth Stadium towards the end of the year than they did at the beginning. I believe that's factual. And he scores so well there, so he's the type of player that you could definitely look at after his buy if you're not already full premium. And comparable to your Jimmy Webster's and your Hurley's, who would you actually take out of those three? 
<laughs> that is a. I definitely wouldn't take Hurley. Um, choosing between Webster and Ryan is tough. Ryan actually has a five-round average of 116, so he's actually blitzing the competition at the moment. And look, it's hard to go past that form. He's just absolutely dominating. So I think uh, I'd choose him. But then again, Chase, <laughs> don't make me choose JB. They're both they're both doing so well. But um, I think I would <laughs> head a little bit towards um, Luke Ryan. But yeah, that's that's a great question and um, something I'm sure that we'll have to answer after. Uh, the round 14 by. Um, I did want to mention a different Dockers player, though. Um, now, look, it's with great regret that we've most of us have traded in Michael Walters just for him to cop a one-week suspension as well as then have his buy in round 14. So he's missing two weeks in a row. He also didn't score very well, scoring only 64. What do we do with Michael Walters? Please tell us, JB. We scream at him, for starters, which is what I did <laughs> furiously at the television when he, he was on 75 and he punched someone in the stomach, gave away the free kick, and then gave someone a bit of a headbutt and gave away a 50, dropped down to 64, almost lost in the game and got suspended for a week. And it was all in the last two minutes of the match. I could not believe the brain fade. And then he got benched for the rest of the game, so he couldn't even do anything afterwards. <laughs> But to be fair, um, Fife was out of this one and they were also missing a full target, I believe, or they were trying something else up for because Michael Walters was heavily in the forward line, did not kick a goal as well. So um, you'd really expect this type of numbers that he had to be one in a, a blowout loss rather than a, a good win, probably one of the better wins that they've had in the last couple of seasons as well. So I do expect Michael Walters to bounce back after the bye. However, I don't blame those considering trading him, considering he's out for the next two weeks. If you need that 18th player and you've got another uh, premium uh, forward in mind like Westhoff you might have missed, um, I think actually you're doing something similar to that, aren't you, Pistol? Well, yeah, it's not a move uh, I would, I guess, usually uh, suggest. It's just heavily dependent on people's uh, buy situations, especially how many players you can get on the park this week and how many players you can get on the park next week. He's obviously missing two weeks. Um, if you were to trade Walters, I mean, you just got to think of it like what you would do uh, if by trading Walters and what you would do without trading Walters. If you're in a situation um, like me who already has enough money to get their final upgrade next week, so money isn't really a priority at the moment, um, if you traded Walters to Westoff uh, this week, you obviously get a premium number for this week and a premium number for next week. Um, I know I'm in trouble for next week. I need to make a trade no matter what. Um, just probably a rookie to a rookie trade um, just to get my 18th person. So um, I'm, I'm getting two primo scores instead of two rookie scores. And I'm also... Um, I'm not saving a trade, but instead of yeah switching for trading a rookie to a rookie, which yes generates cash, but I don't need the cash because I already have enough in the bank to to get my final upgrade. Um, for me, that makes sense. Obviously, um, everyone's different, but usually I would be um, suggesting to hold Walters because it's only two weeks, and in the best 18 situation, if you have you know 20 or 19 players, then it 
doesn't really matter because uh, only the best 18 counts. So um, it would be an easy hold then. But obviously, if you're going for overall and you're in trouble this week or you're trouble next week, looking to get a uh, player that's coming off the bye even. So uh, possibly even a JJK um, who's 397K. Um, that might be tempting as well. But uh, yeah, if you do have the money, then probably a Port Adelaide forward is the one to go unless you want to go risky with uh, someone like Wingard GB. Ooh, that was a long answer. Um, okay, so, <laughs> yeah, I do agree. I think it's very situational, um, and especially especially those who are struggling to get 18 on the park. And like you said, those two premium scores over the two rookie scores could mean, uh, I mean, it could mean two, three hundred, four hundred, or if you're lower down, it could mean a few thousand ranks. So definitely something to consider. Um, worthy to note that Giro was good in his second game with 63, um, 18 disposals. Was very very good at getting the the tough contested peel and just whacking it on the boot. So um, I think you know he's obviously earned his spot for a, a couple more weeks, but does have the buy next week. Um, oh sorry, not this round coming up the week after, obviously. Uh, on the Adelaide Crows side, there wasn't a lot to note. Dude did put out eighty two, but his break even is rather high. So uh, for those who traded, you can still wait until next week. I've seen a lot of people pistol trading. Uh, due day to an Elliot Yo, so holding that trade could actually save you 20k unless you want to really get that premium score and make the 20-30 points uh, up for grabs this week. And uh, Matt Crouch, as we discussed pre-podcast, 68 Supercoach points, and after his buy will probably be around the the 400-500k mark, sorry, on the dot. A very interesting point of difference uh, to consider, and I'm not actually sure why he's scoring scoring so poorly. He had 25 disposals in this one. Um, zero tacklers could be a reason as to why, but um, just a confusing season so far, so far for Crouch. He just hasn't pieced it together yet. No, he definitely hasn't. He's just been, I guess, in and out the whole season with that injury, and I think it's uh, really affecting him. He needs to play consistent games. Um, Adelaide need to win as well. They've been quite poor, and uh, he, they just need to get it done. And when they do get it done, he should start scoring better. Um, he's been a bit of a disappointment um, this season. But look, if you're strapped for cash and you need a value mid, um, he's somebody along with Dane Beams and Higgins as well that I'd be looking at um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, they're all, all pretty cheap, but obviously get them as they come off their buy. Um, also, looking at... Oh, you did mention um, the Dude um, 20k if you're trading to Elliot Yo, which we've seen a lot of people mention. Um, that's something that you really need to weigh up if you're in the situation of, you know, it's points or money. Um, this is something all throughout the buyers. That's kind of the gist with the, the Walters. It's points versus money. Um, it's, yeah, every team is dependent. It depends what your goals are. If you're going for league, um, I just would take the extra money, especially if you're set this week against your opponent, um, especially. And if you're going for overall, um, I'm usually in favor of, you know, taking a little bit less cash to go for the early points as well, um, because points are more valuable at the end of the day. JB, do you want to um, have a finishing note on this game or do you want to jump into the next game? Yeah, we're done with this one and you can talk us through game of the round. I thought the game of the round was uh, the GWS versus Gold Coast game, JP. Um, it was a close second. I've just decided that Melbourne versus Collingwood was, was game of the round, just. <laughs> well, it was uh, certainly uh, no bias game of the round. And as I predicted <laughs> on the previous podcast, JB, when you asked me to make a pick with no bias, uh, I did let you know that Collingwood were going to get the big W. And uh, it was a great day. <laughs> 
Uh, I was there. Just fantastic weather. Great, great game. There was uh, no no bad words about it. Um, I should say, Dugowie moving into the midfield. I mean, can you call Bucks a genius for thinking of it? Because it's like a couple rounds late. Everyone knew that he should play Dugowie in the midfield. But it finally happened. He was on 95 supercoach at halftime. He had like 20 touches at halftime with... 12 inside 50s or something ridiculous. Um, he just absolutely carved it up. And Buckley said he will get more midfield time uh, for the rest of the year. He isn't cheap enough to kind of be that F7, unfortunately. He's like 440k, so it's just like a tiny bit too much. Um, and I think this is probably the best that you're going to get from Dugoa. You're probably going to get you know, the 140 peak, whereas I think I'd rather gamble on somebody else um, who might be able to eclipse that mark. But... Look, Dugowie, it's a risky option. I, I think I'd rather gamble on a yeah a wing guard or something like that who's playing for the rest of it. Um, there was a big American pie who did score five goals, but I'm not allowed to talk about him because I'm banned, um, stemming back from our last couple of podcasts. So we'll have to move on. Uh, Trelaw <laughs> dominated yet again, which is just fantastic. Grundy with a 98 uh, pretty much stopped to go on. There's so much to talk about in this game. It's all the Collingwood love. Um, Jack Crisp, <laughs> my trading, uh, scored 110. He's now got a five-round average of 110 as a defender, so watch out for that one. He's on absolute fire. Oh, That was a deep breath, JB, having to try and um, get through all that. Jeremy Howe put in a lowly 77. He was a a bit disappointing, but there's not much you can really do about it. Um, Collingwood's got a great draw coming up, all at the G as well, so hopefully um, his output increases a little bit more. And uh, Myocek was probably the only disappointment in the game. He didn't manage to score particularly well with only 36 points once a half time. Only kicked a goal. You'd think he would be out for Reid. Um, you know, after the buy, so I, I definitely wouldn't be downgrading to Myocek. Um, just wait to see if Reed is in. Um, on the Demon side, Oliver just was enormous with 127 Supercoach points, and it looks like he's going to be a fantastic option. Probably the best option coming off um, that round 13 buy, so uh, look out for him. Um, Tom McDonald, JB, it's he, he's playing close to forward. He's not getting up... Like, he started kind of on the wing, but he, he wasn't playing very well. And then it kind of switched at the end of the second quarter. Uh, he moved forward pretty much for the rest of the day. And he was just clunking everything. Um, just kick, taking big grabs, kicking goals, perma forward, kick six goals. Not much you can, you know, more you can ask for. While Hogan um, decided to not kick a goal. Um, but he also kind of started deep forward and then, you know, played more of... Uh, higher up the ground, but it just didn't work. Um, Fritsch just went about his day scoring 85, and he looks to be a good scorer that I think will continue for the rest of the season. He's He's got amazing vision um, and knows how to get the ball as well. It's a long breath, JB. Um, Joel <laughs> Smith played his uh, first game for the year. He's 152K. He's a defender midfielder, so he's got that DPP. He kind of played that lever role, scored 91 super coach points. I think... He will hold his spot, JB. He was the only yep. one I was actually very impressed with. Um, do you see him as a viable option in the coming weeks? Yeah, I see him directly replacing uh, Jake Lever's role. Obviously, Jake Lever being out for the rest of the season. Uh, I think that's who they've earmarked for. And he's good. He was good in his debut year. And 
he's really showed good signs. He only really got pushed out of that side because Jake Lever came into it. So, um, no, I can see him growing as the season goes on. Probably more of a, a 70 or 50 to 70 type scorer. Um, but the 90 to start off the, the price cycle is very good. And, yeah, someone I see with good job security. And back to Tom McDonald just quickly. Six goals for 123 supercoach means he didn't do a whole lot else. Um, if he doesn't score that sort of uh, amount on the score, which obviously he doesn't do often, I know he's been scoring well without big bags, but it just concerns me a little bit that he is very reliant on uh, goals being scored to score those big scores. Um, obviously, you saw with uh, Mason Cox also 129 with one less goal outscored him. So um, just a bit crazy to me how the the scoring system uh, took Tom McDonald. Well, you've also got to consider Melbourne's draw in the last five weeks. Um, I keep harping on about them having a, a tough draw to end the year. I don't know if I've read it out before, but um, from round 18, they've they've managed to, to get uh, Geelong, Adelaide, Gold Coast, Swans, um, West Coast Eagles, and GWS all in a row to end the season, which is just an absolute nightmare. Uh, five tough games from the last six opponents, um, and obviously Port immediately after the bye as well. So um, it's going to be tough for, for the Demons, but I think uh, he'll manage to go okay. I, I still think that he's a solid a solid pick. Um, I just think you're not going to be getting 110 average out of him for the rest of the year. Um, you'd probably be lucky from this point onwards to get 100 I think out of him that might be a big call but uh, he's yeah. someone that yeah I'm not kind of as keen on as some other people um, but JB I think a, a bigger question needs to be asked this week Charlie Spargo do you think he holds I've got two questions Charlie Spargo do you think he holds his spot and the other Tim Smith do you think he gets his spot back I don't think Charlie Spargo holds uh, he was good in the second quarter or was it the third quarter. Second. It's one of the qu- second, second where he yep. get, got like eight disposals or something like that. Nine. Um, <laughs> nine. Okay. See, I was very close. <laughs> very. Um, yeah, where he was very good. But other than that, he was non-existent for the game. And I know he got racked up a lot of tackles, but when your team's losing by 40 points, he was previously involved in every single win in their win streak and hadn't actually lost in his career as of yet. But when your team actually gets a loss, that's when they start looking to change things up. And when you're non-existent for three quarters of the game, you are probably going to be earmarked for a spot uh, to uh, to maybe make way and go find some better form in the VFL. So um, although I think he'll be a great player, I do think he'll be the first one to be dropped. Um, Smith depends heavily on what they want to do with Pedersen. So um, Pedersen hasn't had a lot of time to find form in the AFL. Uh, since coming back, but um, if they do what they did with Smith, who had two great games and one poor game and got dropped, um, there's the potential that that does become a revolving door and a bad game means you're straight out. But um, I'd expect just a couple of minor changes like uh, Spargo, maybe handing out for another small forward in in the uh, VFL, but nothing too crazy, I don't think. Yeah, Jeffy Garlett probably you'd think could come back. Um, Hannon did kick two goals, so it's a bit tough comparing to Spargo, who didn't kick a goal, but had three possessions outside of that nine possession second quarter. So um, Spargo's in a bit of trouble there. Uh, Tim Smith actually didn't play in the VFL. So uh, when they said he was omitted um, and we thought he was injured and then he didn't play in the VFL and now he's on the injury list as a test, um, I think it's pretty clear that he was injured um, and not actually omitted. So given Pedersen's output, um, I think there's actually a decent chance that Tim Smith does make his way back in the side, um, especially given they also just lost. So um, 
yeah, if you were planning on trading Tim Smith, just maybe reconsider it. Um, I think there is at least a decent chance that he, he does make his way back. Um, JB, that was the final uh, game of the round. So um, a couple of things. Do you want to talk about maybe um, some strategies going forward for the next two weeks of the bye? Or uh, do you want to go through captains? What would you like to, to go through first? Well, we'll hit up strategies real quick. Um, I think it's very important to remember who's coming off the bye. Um, but at the same time, players like Patrick Cripps and Elliot Yo, although they've come off the bye, have very high break-evens. Um, so a lot of people considering trading them in, I think there are some point of difference options you can look at if you desperately need a premium. Um, or say you need a couple of premiums, you could get a point of difference option from one of those teams and just wait a week on, on some of the other players like Cripps and Yo. Um, but I see a lot of people desperate to just get to full premium as soon as possible, but money is still a factor. So... Um, I think that's important to say first and foremost. It'd probably be my one of my biggest tips is that waiting that extra week could mean all the difference. And and seeing a player for an extra week, like Cripps, for example, was bandaged up like a like he was mummified for his last game. <laughs> if he's the same after the buy, then you just don't want to trade him in at all. So it could be worth seeing how he comes out, how he plays. Um, if he does score back to that one ten plus mark, then then you can obviously justify your pick and get him in for a much cheaper price. So I think that's probably my first bit of advice if you'd like to go now, Pistol. Well, I think uh, if you're tossing up between getting an Elliot Yo who's got a 140 break-even and getting a Cade Simpson who's got a 78 break-even, obviously I'd like to get both of those players in my final team. So um, if you do have the two spots, probably jump on the Cade before the Yo, uh, which is a bit of common sense. But here's something that is a bit outside the box. Um People are looking for premiums to trade in that have come off the buy. Uh, Ed Kerno um, is managing to still be a, a top six midfielder this year. Um, he's actually at top five. He's, he's averaging 114 points, JV. Hasn't really had a poor game the entire season. How do you see Ed Kerno? Um, I'm making, making sure it's clear so people don't actually trade in the wrong, wrong Kerno. Um, how do you see him going uh, for the rest of the season? Uh, unfortunately, and it is unfortunate because I don't know how much faith I should have in Ed Kerno, but unfortunately, I see him doing well enough to have traded him in this week. Um, and my justification with that is uh, mostly two things. So firstly, um, he won't get tagged with Crips in that team. There's very, very little chance that he actually gets... Uh, work done to him. The second uh, second thing is that he scored three sub-tons for the season, two of which were 86s, one of which was 95. So um, although he's put out one score above 140, two scores above 120, and then the rest just around that 100 to sort of 115 mark, they're not huge scores. He's not going to do like Dangerfield. He won't be my vice-captain between now and the end of the season. But he's just a steady scorer. A lot of people were trading in Gaff because he was just scoring those steady hundreds. Wasn't going crazy. Can go crazy sometimes. But wasn't going crazy every week. But just was consistent in scoring those hundreds. And that's what Ed Kerner offers. And he's only 570k. For someone that's averaging 114, we're actually getting him in a good week. He's already had a week off in round 9. Um, obviously due to that suspension saga. But... Uh, now he's obviously had his buy as well. He's got plenty of rest in him coming off of back-to-back 110-ish type scores. He's the type of player that I'm looking at as a point of difference, which we all love trading in at this time of the season. 
um, as someone to just complete my midfield. And if you can give me a couple of reasons as to why I shouldn't, I will probably change my mind very quickly, but I don't <laughs> see them at the moment, Pistol. He's in 2% of teams, so he's a massive POD. Now, the scores you mentioned uh, have been fantastic this season. Uh, the thing I like about him is I just don't know if Cripps is going to make it through the rest of the season. Like His body is so banged up and we're halfway through. He's got to go another half of the season. I have no doubt that Cripps will average more than Kerno in average. I just don't know total points-wise if he's going to get a week off. Um, and he's, he's, It's just with somebody like me who's basically almost out of trades, JB... Um, I'd rather get in the players that I think will be playing 22. And Ed Kono has a very kind run for the rest of the year. Um, he manages to play, I think it's five or six games, sorry, at Etihad Stadium for the rest of the season. Um, he's got a good draw, good playing at good places. I mean, there's just not too much to dislike. And as you said, people were choosing Gaff, um, probably because Gaff is a, a sexier pick than Ed Kono. Um, I'm not talking uh, looks-wise, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, most people are flocking to Gaff just for that consistency. But really, I feel like Kerno is the one um, that should be getting all of the attention rather than Gaff. So um, I, too, will be jumping on Kerno. So hopefully that's not a bad decision for both of us. Uh, but I didn't have Crips. So I feel like that's a bit of a, a bigger call. I know you've got Crips. So um, that's a bit of a tough one. There is another player I'd like to talk about. Shannon Hearn. Um, is kind of sneaking under the radar um, a little bit because he's he's 484k, but he's averaging 100 points per game. And he's also someone that's been super consistent. He's got a five-round average of 98. Um, so he's, he's just getting it done. Um, my issue with Hearn is that they played a lot of games. I think it was eight or seven. Seven of the first 11 were at um, the new Perth Stadium. And they only have, I think it's five more at that ground for the rest of the year um, and also the draw gets uh, a little bit tougher as well for West Coast so um, given his past scoring um, history I'm just not sure if he's going to be able to maintain 100 from this point onwards for the rest of the season so if you're trying to you know go for the POD picks I think uh, maybe go for the Kernos over you know, cheaping out and getting the Hearns. I still think you're better off getting a Yo and a Cade Simpson down back and um, maybe then going for a riskier midfield option. Um, even someone like Bontempelli, um, who we've spoken about on previous podcasts, um, is somebody that has potential to go massive. He's got a five-round average of 115. He's also quite cheap. He's only 542k. Um, and that five-round average includes a 47. So um, he's got you know, four of his last five above 120. So he's somebody that can also just explode at any given moment, but can also just sit at full forward the whole game. So um, yeah, there's there's lots of players there to consider, JB. Specifically in the forward line, is there anyone um, from the rounds, not, not including Port players, anyone else you think that's a worthwhile uh, pick to consider? Yeah, and uh, we've mentioned him before, but that's Josh Kennedy from West Coast. So... I know you're not overly keen on Kennedy, but he's been a top five forward for many years uh, in the past, and obviously that's due to the fact that he's been kicking bags of goals. But a lot of people were sceptical this season due to Jack Darling's uh, uprising, but considering Darling's out for a little while, Kennedy could get you through the buys scoring 95+, plus and then just be an F7 option. So um, he's 397k. He's obviously leaked a lot of cash. 
His last score, uh, which was without Darling for a majority of the game against St Kilda, was 122. The two scores before that was 79 and 88. So it looked like he was building and then just sort of hit his climax and then hit the uh, hit the buy very hard. So um, look, he, I know he's got Sydney next week or the, this week coming up. Then Essendon, then Adelaide, then GWS. So he's got a bit of a tough run. But if anyone's going to do it, it's the man that's won a lot of common medals. <laughs> so well, um, I'd back in Josh Kennedy to score well in the next fortnight at least and be a good F7 option for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think um, getting him as F7 is probably a wise choice. I don't think I'd get him as my F6 just for the reasons I mentioned uh, with that draw uh, for West Coast as well. And his scoring this year has been shaky at best. Obviously, the 122 coming against St. Kilda, who's probably one of the weakest sides in the competition at the moment. Um, just look at what Sydney did to them this week. Um, back onto yeah. the, the strategy side, though. Um, I think people are asking this question quite often, uh, which is, if you have 19 players this week, should you be, and you have to make a trade, should you be, be getting in somebody to give you 20 this week? Or should you be taking the 19 and trading in somebody that will be playing next week instead and that doesn't play this week, um, let's say Joel Smith off the top of my head, um, just so that you can get that extra number next week. Um, and I think if you have 19, um, that's probably a fine decision. I would also guarantee that extra number next week because you just don't know um, what's going to happen. And if I had 18, I probably would like to have 19 because, again, you don't know what's going to happen with late outs and you don't want to get a, a Taylor Dooman situation where he just uh, gets injured getting out of the vehicle. So um, I think that's probably my best advice there is try and make sure you have at least 19 and, and give yourself the extra one. I don't really see the point if you have 22 players this week. I mean, you're dropping off four scores and you might be struggling with 18 on the on the dot next week, I, I think you, everyone would prefer to have a, a 2020 uh, split. So um, that is something that you should target. JB, did you want to go through the uh, captaincy? If you want to give me your, your best two VCs and your best two C options for this round. Oh boy, I'm on the spot. Okay, so firstly, I would like to say that I'm loading up the fixtures for this round that's upcoming, uh, considering <laughs> it's very soon, and that's probably where we would look to get our captaincy options from. Um, secondly, I know Port do play on the Thursday, but a word of warning to anyone considering the, the Toby McLeans, Robbie Grays, or Justin Westhoffs, there's expected to be a lot of rain and potential thunderstorms, so I expect that game to be very contested, very sloppy in terms of uh, possessions, uh, disposal efficiency, etc. So um, there's not a lot of vice captaincy options that are considering that one. Uh, next is Sydney versus West Coast. Don't really love any options in that one considering uh, the game's going to be very tight and uh, in, on the scoreboard. But when I see the Fremantle Dockers versus Carlton, I like pretty much any of those two Carlton mids that you have. Probably Crips if you're an owner of him. Um, or even Fife on the other side of things. So um, that game could be a very, very big midfield uh, battle, but uh, one that sort of... The players don't close check themselves, so um, I'll probably pop down via, uh, the vice captaincy on Fife there, and then have the captaincy safely on someone like Tom Mitchell, who goes against Crows, who don't really have a designated tagger. So even though they've got Gibson in the team, he hasn't really been doing that role. So um, I think Fife into Tom Mitchell would be my my two this week, off the top of my head there. Pistol, thanks for the heads up. You're you're very welcome. So it's uh, interesting to see that you kind of neglected. Um, Dangerfield 
um, obviously against Richmond this week. But um, I will mention somebody that you did not say. I like how you said it's going to be rainy and downpouring at Adelaide Don't Oval. Say Toby McLean. No, I'm not going to say Toby McLean. There is a downpour at Adelaide Oval. The scene is set. We haven't seen that happen at any stage this year, and Jack McRae definitely didn't get 177 against the absolute thunderstorm against uh, Adelaide like three weeks ago at Adelaide Oval. Um, I think that probably Jack McRae, if you own him, uh, has to be a VC this week, given it literally happened three weeks ago where he scored 177 in the exact same conditions as it's predicted to be um, against Port Adelaide. So, Well, um, Pistol, when I consider captaincy options, I consider players that I actually own. So well, That's not helpful to everybody <laughs> else, is it, Jack Jamie? McRae owners, uh, he does not get a mention. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's definitely not helpful um, okay, for the wider community. But um, <laughs> McRae, I think... If you do McRae into Fife, you're probably uh, looking at a decent score. Um, for this round, you're probably just going to take McRae anyway. But yeah, Dangerfield, I think, uh, was a little bit... Um, oh, I mean, it's it's a bit risky against uh, Richmond, but you can definitely he's see Dangerfield. He's a great vice-captaincy option because we know he's healing, but he's, As a C he option, seems yeah. to be continually doing these 100 to 110 type scores and not really having a big impact on the game. So he's impossible to captain at the moment. I like how you said earlier in the podcast that Kono is not someone you would consider putting the C or VC on. I, know, at all I immediately the regretted rest of the saying season. that. Yeah, okay, sure, and, sure. And then this round, you're like, oh, one of the two Colton mids. <laughs> all right, all right. Why don't you just move on to the next next subject, okay? <laughs> or right, we'll jump into the uh, the cancer council. Um, so JV can figure out about the the captaincy options this week. Um, we did have a couple <laughs> of donations uh, for the donate for donuts. Um, the Taylor Doom and Donut. Well, that rhymes well. Um, did. Uh, nice. catch a few people out and uh, they did donate for donuts so um, thank you very much for that and look I know a lot of people um, like to get around the donate for donuts and it's great when you share it and stuff like that but it also really helps that if you did get a donate be honest and just donate um, a certain amount it can be a dollar per donut um, that's fine as well you still get a shout out um, we're not even reading the amounts that people donate so um, every dollar counts and you know if you cop one donut two donuts and you're donating two dollars per per donut that's better than you donating zero and you know you also will get a shout out so uh yeah just keep that in mind for the next two weeks um or if you just did cop one and haven't yet donated um feel free to do so um so firstly thanks so much for Stuart quixley uh who did cop a donut this week uh during the terrible buy around for most also to um Dylan Lucado Wells, I'm sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Um, long time fan of the podcast, so hello. And uh, you still never messaged me back when you were making fun of me for trading back in Sicily. I just want to let you know that uh, Sicily's doing really well this season, and you know, it's, it's all gone well. Uh, getting getting great after his second second game, and Sicily's averaging 105. So. Um, Sorry about that, um, but oh good luck for the rest of the buy buy around. Sorry about your donate for donuts. Himself up. <laughs> he he messaged me to tell me that, and then just kind of went silent. Um, Tony McCosh, thanks very much for uh, your message. It's a donut kind of time of year, which that it is. So uh, hopefully for everyone else, uh, they can they can follow suit and donate just like you did. And to Throts as well, longtime supporter. Uh, dollar for donuts round twelve. Um, Hopefully not followed by a dollar for donuts round 13 and round 14. I'm pretty sure I'm playing him in the league and 
next two weeks. So I wouldn't mind if you did cop a donut in the next two week threats. Um, but thanks to everyone for <laughs> donating this year. We're up to uh, $1,361 for the season. Um, obviously, the next couple of weeks will hopefully be huge for us as well. Uh, as we approach the uh, ghastly round 14 buy, there'll be quite a few donuts, JB. And it's currently at 1410 just to correct you, there's $50 of Higgins tax uh, that is counted but not yet donated. So, um, yeah, great numbers so far and great to see so many people involved. And to me, it just seemed like if you donate, you get a bit of a roast from Pistol. So, um, interesting <laughs> to see if that correlates directly with those who aren't donating. <laughs> well, uh, look, if, you, if you'd like to get a little bit of a... <laughs> roast for donating um, feel free to put a little bit of a story about why you've got the donut into the, the comment on our um, donation link as well and um, we'll, we'll see what we come up with um, also, we will JB, read everyone out every single comment will, will be read out live on the podcast there is there will be no edits yeah I don't know if anyone's going to be able to top um, I think it was Matthew Shores, Shores, I just can't pronounce his last name, where he, he copped a donut a couple of weeks ago because he was loopholing Gorn but forgot to put the emergency on Nick Nat and then just copped the donut. That one's a pretty pretty hard one to top. But if you do manage to top that, uh, please, please let us know um, so you can get a little bit of a extra long shout-out. Um, JB, where can anyone find us if they have questions before the Thursday night game? Because I don't think we're going to be doing a Thursday podcast given there is a Thursday game and a lot of people are trading in options for that round, so it makes it a bit difficult to time the, the second podcast. Yeah, so no podcast uh, for the latter half of the week. But uh, we what we will do is put up a post on Thursday after the teams come out and before the game commences as a bit of a question and answer. So it might not be me, uh, Pistol or Chizo, uh, doing the Q&A personally, but we'll definitely have uh, the admin team around it and make sure most of the questions get answered. We do get a high volume of those questions come in, so we do apologize if you don't get your question answered. And make sure you look at other questions because generally the same question gets answered about 700 times. So um, look, we'll do a question a Q&A to make up for the no podcast, but it's just too tight between teams and the first game starting. So there's no way we'll be able to podcast and get it up and get that advice into people's ears before that, that lockout commences, especially considering how uh, obviously we've got the McLeans, the Westoffs, the Greys, all these players playing in that game in which people are trading in this week. So um, good luck to you all uh, for the round coming up, Pistol. Is that the end of our podcast? Uh, no, you didn't answer my question of where they can find us um, on the, the Twitter, but I'll go through that anyway. I just said you... the Facebook page. We're doing a Q&A. Yeah, What's I'm saying if you want to find us, you can find our Twitter handles at uh, JB underscore DRSC. Oh, shameless plug. If you want to find me, which... You don't. You definitely do. You do not. Um, it's, <laughs> you can find me at Pistol underscore DRSC. Um, JB, I did manage to overtake you in Twitter followers. It's Pistol um, with a silent K. If you're following the other <laughs> Pistol with no K in it, unfollow. I managed to overtake JV this week uh, in the Twitter followers, which is great given I had, I think he had a three-month head start as well. So um, finally, uh, That's the world, world knows who to follow. And Chizo with a Z, um, you can follow Chizo underscore DRSC as well, JB. So, um, oh, do you want to plug mine at all? I did yours first. No, you didn't. <laughs> I'm going to re-listen to this. You're going to re-listen to this and you're going to feel pretty silly. Uh, but if you want to find JB, it's at JB underscore DISC. You've already said that. Uh, <laughs> well, 
there we go. Um, <laughs> just making sure. Uh, all right. Well, thanks very much, everyone, and hope you have a good rest of the round.